When I was a kid, we lived in a beautiful old farmhouse on a dozen acres of land. It was idyllic. We lived on a quiet road near a little development, and there were lots of kids around. Moving there was the best thing that ever happened to me. Suddenly, I had a group of friends who rode their bikes around from sunup to sunset, when there wasn't school, of course. We did everything a curious nine-year-old could ever dream of doing. We snuck into apple orchards and gorged on Granny Smith's. We made clubhouses in the woods, swam in streams, rolled down big grassy hills, and had sleepovers in backyard tents under the stars. It was like living in a Norman Rockwell painting. Almost too good to be true. There were six of us in our little group, and we were as thick as thieves. I wish every single day that I still saw those kids. But after what happened, most of us drifted apart. I still talked to a couple of them, but it was never the same. Not after Jamie. The summer after fifth grade changed all of our lives forever. We all knew that when the streetlights came on in the development, it was time to go home, which made things easy, except when we were over by my house, which was most of the time. One day, we were all in the woods by my house trying to build a teepee out of fallen sticks when we realized it was hard to see what we were doing. The sun had sunk lower than usual, and we were all in big trouble. We said a hasty goodbye and scattered in opposite directions. I only had to walk, but the rest of them would have to bike back to their houses, and I didn't envy them the extra time it was going to take. Jamie was particularly concerned. His dad had a temper on him, and he knew that by now, he had probably downed more than a couple whiskeys, which never meant anything good for the kids in the house. There were five of them, four girls, and Jamie. Their dad would look for reasons to hit them when he was drunk, and since Jamie was the biggest, he usually took as much as he could to save his little sisters. He knew he was in for it tonight. I noticed that instead of pedaling in his normal direction, he was traveling farther into the woods. Jamie, I called out, what are you doing? He said it was a tougher ride, but if he went straight through the woods, he could get home quicker and that every second was going to count. Good luck, I yelled across the mossy green expanse between us. I'll see you tomorrow. It's going to be warm so we can find a place to swim. Okay, he yelled breathlessly. The next day, we all got together at the agreed-upon spot, but Jamie wasn't there. We were all terrified that his dad had really laid him up this time. Cautiously, we all pedaled to his house to find a lawn full of police. His father saw us and ran towards us, but this time his face wasn't angry. It was scared and streaked with tears. It's scary to see a man that tough cry. He asked us if any of us were hiding Jamie. He said that he hadn't come home the previous night and that he and Jamie's mother were beside themselves. We all told him that no, the last we saw him was when he took off to come home. He told us that if anyone was hiding him, it was okay. They just wanted him to come home. No one was in trouble. But none of us were hiding anything. We were telling the truth. The police questioned all of us, and we told them what we knew, but it wasn't much. The day passed, then the next, and the next, but still no Jamie. Weeks turned into months, and then months turned into years, and the only thing they ever found was his bike. He had left it in the woods when the brush got too thick to ride through. People suspected that he got snatched in the woods. Drifters were around. Jamie's family was never the same again, though and neither were we. 
The town went crazy looking for him. We thought this family might start breaking into basements. But then one afternoon, two years after he disappeared, a horrible thought crept into my mind. I knew where Jamie was. I never forgot the day we bought that farmhouse. It was so exciting and almost surreal. There was a moment, though, after all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted, when the real estate agent looked at my dad and said, I know this is buried in the paperwork somewhere, but I just want to remind you that there's an old well on the edge of the property. You really should seal it up. It's not very obvious and someone could get hurt. My father replied, nah, that kind of thing costs a fortune and we're not going to fall in our own well. I won't let my kids out there. It's not you I'm worried about, the realtor said. They found Jamie's remains at the bottom of that well the next day. He was still wearing his Spider-Man watch. Dad was right. We didn't fall in our own well. But none of us were ever the same again. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. affect others. Yes. Is the moral of everything today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I like your I like where you went with that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you know. You gotta yeah. think about it. It's a thinker. Yeah. Yeah. Then you could tie it in. <laughs> you guys will get it, don't worry. <laughs> hey Leslie. Hey Holly. Hey Fiends. Well, we're back to do an episode I had kind of hoped wouldn't be necessary. <laughs> yeah. Since our initial episode on the COVID vaccine, uh, a lot has happened. And I know we all have questions. I know we're all feeling scared and unsure. And I know the future looks kind of fuzzy at the moment. So we decided to take our time this week to catch up with our doctor friends and give you any information we get our hands on on the state of COVID and the vaccination and all things related to those matters. In a sea of conflicting social media information, it's nice to hear something that we can promise you is true. This week, we interviewed good friend and official We Would Be Dead medical consultant, Dr. Lisa, who will tell us everything we need to know about COVID and kids, which is, I think, a large portion of everybody's questions right now. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, kids can't get the vaccine, so there's a lot at stake there, specifically what we're going to need to know going back into school this year. Right. And we had back on Dr. Stephen McBride, who gives us a COVID update from the emergency room front lines. Fiends, this is very important information. And two things that both of our doctor friends emphatically agree upon is that if you have not done so already, you should get your COVID vaccine and head on over to Apple Podcasts mm. and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It's the only way to move this podcast forward, and it enables us to bring special episodes like this one to a much bigger audience. And if you want more We Would Be Dead in Your Life, you can go over and support us on Patreon, where for a little monthly donation, you will get extra monthly content, our special patrons-only podcast, 30-minute horror movies, 
which we gave you a preview of last week. Don't worry, we're going to do all the Twilights eventually. Yes. There will be more memes and yelling. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) There was so much of it. You will also get discounts at our merch store and on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. And you're going to want those discounts because we are expanding our merch considerably. Mm-hmm. Leslie designed us a really fun OMG Winston Churchill crop top. Oh, I'm very excited I about that. I can't wait to wear my <laughs> own. You guys should all order it. It's really cute and it's really funny. And it I comes it. in other other kinds of shirts too in case you're not a crop top kind of person. Not a crop wearer. You could get it in in something that's not yeah. cropped. Yeah, we got t-shirts too. Just real jazzed Regular, on that crop top. Like, they're, like the full shirt is there. <laughs> <laughs> An unabbreviated shirt, yeah. just the whole shirt, yeah. unabridged. Yes. <laughs> and if all of that is too much for you, you can simply share anything on our social media feed to yours. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell that lady who sits next to you at the nail salon that obviously you can tell comes in every single week because she knows everybody's business. Then your friends and that lady who talks super loud can become fiends and we can all hang out together. What's that lady in the nail salon's name? Ooh. You know the one I'm talking about. Everybody who works there, she's like, how's your kid? How's your aunt's bunions? She knows, like, all of their information. And you're like, how often are you here? It's true. That's true. Uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline's a good one. Yeah. So Jacqueline's there. She's at the nail salon. Tell her about We Would Be Dead. You know she's going to listen. Yes. She hates to not be in the know. Mm-hmm. Hates it. Oh, also, if you want to, like, post about your favorite episode or let us know when you're listening, those are also good ways to share us. And I think, I think that's all I have for this week. Leslie, do you have anything to add before we begin? No, I don't, Holly. Yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. You have a, uh, what's her name update? A Jerry update. Oh, okay. <laughs> so last week I had some news about Jerry, who was my spin instructor who has recently passed. And uh, fun story to that update. If you didn't listen to it, go listen to it now. Oh, and yeah. then come back. It is a great uh, <laughs> story, first of all. A Another fiend reached out to me and said that they have a Jerry in Minneapolis uh, who is also a spin instructor and that they it's their favorite spin class ever. So, And her name is Jerry. <laughs> it's the she, same she, Jerry. It There's no way it the isn't. Same Jerry. She said it gave her like goosebumps and she was like, oh my God, this is the same the same description that I would give you know, to our Jerry. So I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So I can't wait to go out there. I'm going to take a spin class and. You're going to be like, is it Jerry? I'll be like, hey, Jerry. Are you the Jerry? Nice to see you again. Do She'll you remember like, me? What if they, what if this Jerry looks exactly the same? Ooh. What if she started a new life somewhere else? Man. Okay. And so she faked I her on death. Jerry, she was, she's short. Very in shape, like buff, nice. tan. Yes. She's got a little bit of that leathery, like tan skin, like because, you know, we live at the shore. She yes. just, she definitely sunbathes a little too much. So many Jerry Blank <laughs> images and, in my uh, head. That's all I can think of. Yeah. She has brown hair. It's a little fried. She started yeah. her life over. She was, she was like in her 60s. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Love yeah, she it. She was great. Listen. Great vibe. Get that, Jerry. Yeah. All right, then. Thank you for the update. You're welcome. On with the show. Oh, wait. We what? have another update. Oh, okay. Not on the with the show. About the fire and ice. Oh, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> we did put out into the world that we were curious whether fire and ice— This was um, from our case, I think, two weeks ago mm-hmm. on Khalil Wheeler-Weaver 
said that faster than I could before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we did wonder if fire and ice condoms were um, like a good thing or a terrible thing. Because mm-hmm. to us, they sounded terrible. And um, this is just proof that you should always trust our wisdom because we have had several women, anonymous women, private message us and say they are, in fact, really terrible. Yes. <laughs> Not only are they terrible, but they are basically lubricated with a watered-down form of Icy Hot, wherein you will have the, like, I chopped peppers effect. Mm-hmm. So if you rub your eyes after that, too, you'll have Icy Hot eyeballs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I am still putting out the question— if anybody knows this, and again, we will keep it anonymous. We can also just keep it to ourselves. But anyone out there that has used them, that has found them to be great or beneficial, please let us know why. I just want to know. like, who I only had because several responses had, of people that really hated them. Right, because they <laughs> had to have made it to the market for a reason. Well, I think that one of the women I spoke to said her boyfriend liked them. And that's probably why. So is it only for men? Maybe. Maybe they're the only ones that really reap the fire and ice benefit. Yeah. I men. Need to, I men need listeners. And I don't feel like researching it, so please I will never. Us. I will I never. I don't want to look into it. So. But um, <laughs> gentlemen listeners or, yeah. uh, you know, penis-owning listeners, let us know what that's like if you ever tried it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll update again on this very important topic. Yes. Thank you. That is all. On with the show. <laughs> So we don't really, there isn't really much more coming from us this week. We are just going to take you guys into interviews that we have conducted with our friends in medicine. So please enjoy those. So we are back with another interview with a special guest. Lovely guest, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you. Hello, it's me, Dr. Lisa. Yay! Yay! I'm so glad you guys had me back. Thank you. We love having you here. I'm a pediatrician and unofficial podcast uh, medical advisor for (laughs) We Would Be Dead. Pretty official. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I was previously with a telemedicine company, but in case um, you listen to these two back-to-back, I actually changed positions. Ooh, and now I'm a pediatrician at the medical clinic at the Children's Advocacy Center in Santa Clara Valley. That's so cool. It is really cool. So Dr. Lisa is like fighting for children in some of the worst situations. So she's like a double hero now, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about something that's pertinent to that as well. You just have I'm to come back. back. You have to come back all the time. 100%. Uh, but today we're going to update everyone on kids and COVID. Yes. Which doesn't sound nice and fun, but I think it's information that we really need to have because they are our unvaccinated population mostly. Mm -hmm. So tell us, like, just what are you seeing or, you know, with your, among your colleagues, what are you seeing now with kids in COVID? Because the last time we talked to you, it was kids aren't getting it that often. Kids aren't in the hospitals that much. Kids don't see as many symptoms is that the same? What's happening now? They also we also didn't have a child's vaccine yet, right? And now it's twelve and up. Yes. Yes. Okay. That is correct. To update us, tell us where we are with kids. Sure. So I'll say, in the end of July and beginning of August, we've seen an exponential increase in the number of pediatric admissions uh, for COVID uh, in our pediatric hospitals. 
Um, it's jumped by, you know, you read, read articles, you read bulletins from the AAP. I get emails every day, single day from the American Academy of Pediatrics with bulletins because I'm a member. Across the board, it seems to be a spike of about 30% uh, in pediatric admissions. That's big. Wow. It's big. It was like, I made a quick note. It was 94,000 admissions in early August. Wow. Oh, God. And it's, it's a huge spike in pediatric admissions. Now, would that be amongst the unvaccinated? Because I know we said 12 and up has an opportunity to be vaccinated. Or is this just general, like 18 and under? This is majority unvaccinated okay. kids. And the, the kids, quote unquote, kids can go up into the early 20s. Pediatrics technically can extend into like 23 years old. You're still a kid when you're 23. <laughs> True that, but please don't come to my clinic. <laughs> <laughs> if you're 23, you're not allowed to see Dr. Lisa. I know it's a shame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you want to talk about your infertility issues. I want to, I want to hear about your sneakers. Yeah. And, but it, so there. it can go up to 23. These numbers include up to early 20s. And what we're seeing are unvaccinated people. Some of these people had an opportunity to be vaccinated, and a lot of these people, these children, did not because we okay. do not have an authorized vaccine under 12 yet. Which was my one of my next questions. Where are we in the process of having a vaccine for under 12? So spring of this year, around March of this year, Moderna started a study for kids six months to under 12 years old. Okay, so that's most of them. Right. Well, they, it's a, it was small to start with. So it okay. was like 6,800 kids when they started in about March. Okay. And the idea was that it would go kind of in waves. So the, the first wave was like six years old to under 12. The next wave, and they're going to stagger them. The next okay. wave was going to be two to under six. And then the last wave was going to be six months to under two years old. So they were going to start. So Moderna, six months to under 12, started with about 6,800 kids. In August, they doubled the amount of enrollees. Wow. Hmm. And so things apparently are going well enough from March to August that they were like, more, more kids. Oh, great. Let's do this with more kids. Now, they if you Google kid code study, so that's kid, K-I-D, COVE, C-O-V-E, and study, S-T-D-Y. Okay. You can check to see if your child under 12 years old is eligible for this oh. study. And okay. you know I got on there and immediately tried to see if I could get my four-year-old in there. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there's no trials in my area oh, in Southern California, okay. which is a, a massive bummer. I know it initially started around the Wisconsin area, I believe it was University of Wisconsin. And then I saw some places in Boston got added up there, but, um, we're working on it. Great. On it. Moderna's doing it. In the meantime, Moderna and Pfizer 12 and up good to go. Johnson and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson is still only 18 and up. Okay. So if you have a kid and you want to try and get them involved in a, in a study, we will um, put the link that Dr. Lisa mentioned in the show notes for this episode, and you can check and see if that is an option for you. 
especially if you're in Wisconsin or Boston, where it seems to be a possibility. <laughs> so jealous. So I, jealous. Same. My, my kids actually ask me. They're like, can I get it yet? Can I get it yet? Oh. Yeah. They want it. They're ready. And they yeah. hate needles, but they're ready. <laughs> they know what's up. They're not dumb. They know Very what's going true. On. They do. They're like, come on, tick, tick. I want to be safe. So then I guess leading into that, a lot of us kind of, I mean, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I thought maybe before the school year, we would have something for the younger kids. Right. And it doesn't look like we will, obviously, because, I mean, Florida's already back in school, I believe. We won't talk about Florida. (laughs) But what do you think, or in your professional opinion, what should school look like next month? This is going to be an incredibly unpopular opinion, but the thing okay. about is it, it's facts. Yeah. And every single child needs to be masked. Every single child who can be vaccinated, to be vaccinated. Every single adult who enters that school needs to be vaccinated and masked. That is what it needs to be to keep kids safe. And unfortunately, it seems like significant portions of our country are not interested. Yeah. My older daughter actually lives in South Carolina, my 13, almost 14 year old. Her school sent out something saying masks are not required. Ooh. Really? Her dad and I, yeah, her dad is a radiologist. Her dad and I, uh, again, I don't know if listeners may or may not remember my 13 year old, uh, we wanted to get her into the Moderna study. The last time we reported, she got into it and she did, in fact, get both vaccines. Oh, good. Okay. Congratulations. We had her unblinded. We had her unblinded, and she did, in fact, get both Moderna vaccines. Great. That was very, I was thrilled, thrilled beyond measure. But I, again, her dad and I have told her, we, we want you to wear a mask in school. Mm-hmm. I know it's not required. I know some kids aren't going to be wearing masks. We know some teachers aren't going to be wearing masks. Unfortunately, that's not the safe choice. The safe choice is, vaccines and masks. Not, not a huge ask in my opinion. No, I mean, I agree. Yeah. Our governor has mandated that all the kids going back to school Mm -hmm. have to be masked. So New Jersey is unilaterally. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Jersey. There's no (laughs) dice rolling, at least with (laughs) masks for kids. For sure. (laughs) We're trying. Just let's let's keep Governor Phil rolling. Yeah. (laughs) It's just hard. It's hard to explain. I feel like it's hard to explain to kids why they still need to wear their masks and why. Yeah. Like even the vaccination. So I know, I know right now, one of my kids mentioned that they feel like everyone that's getting COVID isn't vaccinated. Or is vaccinated? Or sorry, yes, sorry. That's, that's right. what everybody's saying. Yeah, so, oh, you get sick even when you have the vaccine, so there's no point in getting the vaccine. Yeah. And then it's and um and just to kind of go on that of him being very confused, you know, is my dad was driving him to work the other day and wanted him to wear his mask in the car, and he was just like, Well, why do I have to wear it in the car? And I was like, It's just one, it's like a courtesy, but also you're not vaccinated yet. And we're in, you know, our, we're, what is it now? We're like in the red zone right now yeah, in our Cape area. Yeah, County is back in, in the red, mostly because we are a tourism yeah. area and everybody from everywhere. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, I was like, we're just trying to do our part and we're starting to realize that 
whether we're vaccinated or not, we still need to wear these masks. And some people can't be vaccinated. We all can, luckily. And soon you will be too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know what to say to the kids. (laughs) It feels very hard. It's difficult. I mean, being an adolescent is difficult in general. Now let's add all of this on top of it. And it's no wonder kids are struggling. Mental health emergencies, mental health visits have gone way up in the pandemic. Okay. For a lot of different reasons for our kids and for, and for everybody else. Okay. I'll, I freely admit I've been leaning heavier on my therapist than I have in the past. Same. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed a lot of, I mean, my son has a big issue with separation anxiety since then. And, um, I have had other mothers say, yeah, I have the exact same thing. Kids are very nervous to like let their parents out of their sight. They have had this like real attachment issue because they've been locked in the house with them and they don't know how safe the world is. So I know that's been something because mm. I thought it was just my kid, but nope. I've had several parents say like, no, same thing. They don't want to be away. Nope. One of the things we talk about is that parents set the tone for children. They really, really do. So if a parent approaches vaccination and masking from a, a practical, matter-of-fact kind of position, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it and we're going to protect each other and we're going to protect our community. And then it's hard because, especially again, in adolescence, you run into issues of peer pressure. Okay. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, hopefully one, if you're an adolescent, hopefully you've gotten your vaccine. So that's one layer of protection that adolescents can have. But again, it's a difficult discussion. Hey, I can only imagine how difficult this must be for you, especially when you go to school and you see other kids that don't have their masks on and they say they don't need their mask. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not entirely accurate. It's very important that we all wear our masks. And if I could come to your school and make all the kids in your class wear your masks, believe me, I would in a heart. Okay. Unfortunately, all we can do at this point in time is control our own family and our own selves. So we are going to be as safe as possible by all of us getting vaccinated and all of us wearing our masks and all of us washing our hands or sanitizing our hands frequently and just hope that by leading by our example, maybe some more of our friends will follow, more of our neighbors will follow. Okay, it's rough. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, if you freak out about masks and the health concerns about masks, spoiler alert, there's no health issues with a kid wearing a mask in school, okay? It doesn't uh, impair speech. It doesn't impair uh, their ability to interact socially. It's a huge pain in the ass. Like, yeah, 110%. <laughs> like, I'm not here to tell you it's comfortable or fun. Like, no, no, not at all. I, I end work every single day with lipstick smeared all over my face. I look like the Joker from Dark Knight Rises. Maybe one day I'll just stop putting it on, but not not likely. You got to get a lip stain, man. <laughs> when I get in my car, I smile at people in traffic. They're like, ah. <laughs> no, wearing a mask sucks. It does. But it's it, it's it's what keeps them safe. And if parents set that tone, mm-hmm. matter of fact, this is what we do. They model that behavior. Uh, kids are going to follow. Kids are going to follow. I have a four-year-old. She wears a mask. It's no big deal. My four-year-old calls me out if I don't have my mask on. Oh, that's okay? so good. Like, kids are the best. Kids are hilarious. Kids are awesome. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. my 11-year-old hangs out with a mask on. We go shopping. You know, it's, 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 it's not an issue. Parents set the tone. If you approach things calmly, rationally, and just explain as a matter of fact, you can 
make your kids feel a little bit more comfortable with the things you can control. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I have a couple other questions from listeners. Mm-hmm. I know last time we didn't have a lot of like, this is what COVID in a kid looks like. This is how sick they get. This is what's happening. Do we have like a more sharpened picture of that now? It's it's interesting because there's actually, again, I think I mentioned the last time that, you know, there are Facebook groups for everything. Yes. Uh, and there are pediatrician Facebook groups where we all hang out and, and ask each other questions okay. and commiserate. But clearly these are very hotbeds of discussion for have you seen this presentation of COVID? Yeah. And it can be very atypical. There are kids who presented with colitis, kids mm. who have presented, um, or, you know, there's a totally asymptomatic kids, mildly symptomatic kids. There are kids that presented with just GI symptoms. It's it's very variable, okay. which makes it a little hard to pin down. Uh, I would say if your child is starting to act sick, I don't think it's a bad idea to get them tested. Um, if you want to get everybody in the family tested, I don't think that's a bad idea. If your child is unwell, it might be a good idea to get them tested. So, because it shows up in like many different forms. It's so variable. Okay. Yeah. It, it can be the classic almost flu type illness, but it can be just GI. It can be transient, just kind of feeling, you know, oh, I feel kind of crappy. And then it turns out, oh, sh- shoot, you had COVID. Now your entire family has COVID. Like it's, it's really sticky that way. I mean, when okay. you go through medical school, when you go through residency, it's, this is what this disease looks like. Yeah. I mean, we take pathology classes. We're taught, here's, here's some strategies to recognize specific diseases. COVID seems to be super variable, hmm. um, particularly in kids, in what I'm seeing. Can be the respiratory stuff, can be other stuff. High index of suspicion is necessary. Okay. That's very good to know. And like the buzzword with anything COVID right now is the Delta variant. Okay. Everyone's talking about like, is this is this a different, do we treat it like it's a totally different disease? Are we now susceptible to it because it is different from what we were talking about when we got vaccinated? And not even just in terms of children and in, in, in as broad as you want to go. Sure. What what do we expect with this variation? Is it, are, are our vaccinations still taking care of it? Because as Leslie said, people are saying like, well, if you're vaccinated, it doesn't matter. You could still get the Delta variant and then die. So who cares? reminds me of like the flu shot where you get the flu shot, which is based on last year's flu, but it still is there to help you fight against this year's flu or to help you to help other people that cannot get any kind of flu. That is the most Beautiful segue you could have potentially even provided me. Okay. Get it. So I spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time these, but I actually sat down today and really tried to dig into this a little more. If we're going to talk about the Delta variant of COVID, we need to talk just a little bit generally about virology. And the flu is the main analogy that I think most people would understand. Uh, Bacteria, viruses, all of these things will mutate if they're presented with the right set of circumstances, okay? This is the reason your doctor tells you, you take this antibiotic twice a day for 10 days. Take it as directed. You know, I don't care if you feel better on day five, please take the entire course of antibiotics as directed to day 10. This is because if you take it till you feel better on day five, and you're like, this is great. I don't need this anymore. You cut your antibiotics. What you've done is you've selected for antibiotic-resistant bacteria. I don't want that. 
<laughs> yeah. Infectious disease is fascinating. If you took the 10 days of the antibiotic, you would have gotten everybody. Anybody that would have hid, anybody that had a little special genetic something, something that was going to keep them away from that initial course of, you know, a few days of amoxicillin or whatever. Um, we want to take the whole course to get everybody, even the maybe slightly genetic variant ones. That's the idea. If you stop prematurely, you're selecting for antibiotic resistant bacteria. Okay. Um, this is also part of the reason physicians are supposed to be uh, what we call stewards of medicine. This is why we don't just hand out antibiotics willy nilly for stuff that's not going to be helped by antibiotics, like a cold. If I give you antibiotics for something that's completely not indicated, what I'm doing is I'm allowing the bacteria that are existing within you or around you exposure to these antibiotics and a chance to mutate and become resistant to these antibiotics. Okay. So that's a little bit of resistance. Okay. Things mutate. And Leslie's exactly right. Okay. The flu shot, the flu is constantly mutating. Leslie is exactly right. You're a pro. <laughs> uh, the flu virus is just constantly going around the world and constantly mutating. It passes to animals. Then it comes back to people. Um, and the whole time it's mutating. And yes, when we say, hey, it's time to get your flu shot, the flu shot we give you is the best guess at the flu strains that are coming down the pike this season, okay? Based in the Southern Hemisphere, this is what is circulating. So now it's our turn to have the flu. Based on what we saw circulating in the Southern Hemisphere, we think this is what we need the vaccine to target. And this is what we want to try to protect you against. No, the flu shot is not 100% effective because it's our best guess. But the deal with the flu shot is we want to decrease the severity of the flu should you contract it. And we're trying real hard to make it difficult for you to get the flu virus and then pass it on to other people. So that's why the flu vaccine is so, so important. We want to decrease the chance you're going to get deathly ill from the flu. And we want to decrease the chance that you might pass it on. Okay. Is the flu vaccine effective? hundred percent effective? No, neither are seatbelts, neither are airbags, and neither are uh, airplane safety checks. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But we want all, yeah. all of that stuff. Okay. So on to COVID now. So the Delta variant is like the fourth variant, uh, the fourth mutation of what we've seen so far from the original COVID vaccine, uh, COVID virus, excuse me. All right. It's had a chance to mutate. It's spread around. It's spread around. People have been treated. Some people have been vaccinated. Some people have not. This gives the virus a chance to mutate. Some of the virus doesn't make it. It dies. Some of the virus does make it. The virus that does make it mutates, passes on. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. Okay. Delta is a highly contagious variant of COVID. To the best of our knowledge at this point in time, Delta does, Delta does not make people sicker than previous iterations of COVID, okay? There's nothing about Delta that will make you sicker, will damage your lungs more, will cause blood clots more. But the problem is it's highly, highly contagious. Mm. And so that means more people can get it and that's more chance for badness. I noticed that a lot of people are treating it like it's a totally different disease. And that's understandable. It's a complex topic. 
it's hard to wrap your mind around. I think mm-hmm. if you haven't been in medicine or a, a, a microbiology or pharmaceutical adjacent field for mm-hmm. extended, extended period of time and have had to interact with this, um, it, it's understandable because um, it sounds a little bit different. It's it's Delta. Mm-hmm. The hospitalizations are spiking. So people, it, it makes sense to me that people are like, this is a whole new thing. This is a whole yes. different thing. That, that makes sense to me to draw that conclusion. Okay, but it's not in fact that it's to the best of our knowledge at this point in time, more destructive than the original or the other couple. It's so much more contagious. Mm. And if that many more people can get infected, that's that much more opportunity for really bad things to happen. But a vaccination will still protect you to an extent against it. That is true. Okay. Everything we've seen. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A lot no, of people it, are like, it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated. No, it super yes. matters. It really, really matters. Okay, for one thing, if we can get everybody vaccinated, we can make it harder for the virus to transmit and make it harder for the virus to mutate. Okay, so if we can build a wall of immunity, the idea is the virus runs smack into the wall and then just kind of dribbles down it like Wiley e. Coyote. Like, <laughs> okay? I like that. The idea is we build a wall of immunity that stops the virus in its tracks and prevents it from mutating further. Okay. Also, we have found everything that's out there says the very, very sick people right now are, are unvaccinated. Are there breakthrough cases of COVID within vaccinated people? Yes. Yes, it happens. We'll never lie to you. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it's happened. Those people are generally doing okay. They are doing all right. They come out okay. Across the nation, the people in the ICUs are by majority unvaccinated. And that was actually a question, a direct question we had was that is the rise of like children being hospitalized due to the Delta variant or just due to the fact that they are our unvaccinated population or they should be rather. Right. That's it's who should be. It's kind of both. So okay. Delta, Delta spread so quickly, Delta spread so easily. We've seen that people who are vaccinated can spread Delta. Okay. So okay. that was a big, oh shit for us in the science community. We wanted you to not spread Delta if you were vaccinated. And apparently the vaccine keeps you from spreading the first three variants, mm. Delta mutated and can still be spread by vaccinated people. Okay. So if you are unvaccinated in contact with people who are infected with Delta, you are more likely to get it. And if you are unvaccinated, there's a higher chance of a complication related to being infected with COVID. Got it. Everything's so scary. (laughs) It's scary, dude. Yeah, for sure. It's scary. Doctors are are very stressed out. Parents are very stressed out. We appreciate all of our medical friends. Yeah, for sure. We know it's been a really hard time for you guys and for everybody. Is there anything pressing that you would like a wider audience to hear? Like anything you want to say, any, stand on your soapbox, anything you, anything you want to get out, this is as good a place as any. Uh, Well, I'll tell you in one of my pediatrician Facebook groups, I said, I'm going to be on a podcast Mm -hmm. talking about food and kids. You know, what do you think I should say? What, What should I get out there? And every single person that replied said, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. These are all board certified pediatricians. Every single one of them said, tell people they need to get vaccinated. Okay. It's safe. 
the incidence of side effects is is just microscopic. Do I want you to have a side effect? No. Would I be pissed if I had a side effect? Yes. Is there is the likelihood that you or one of your loved ones going to get a side effect relatively big? No, it's way, way small. Okay. These are safe. These are effective. And we need to do this to get out of this. Okay. Because no, it sucks for kids to be having masks in school. It sucks for kids to be scared to let their parents out of their sight. I hate that the number of uh, pediatric mental health admissions has gone up based on COVID anxiety and depression related to isolation. I know that that bleeds into all areas of like, especially children's mental health. You may see it manifest in things you don't think are related, but are Mm -hmm. mental health wise. Yeah. And, and parents, people are out there screaming, we want to help our kids. We want to keep them safe. The way to help your kids and to keep them safe is for every single person to get the full vaccine series. Okay. That's the start. Is, do we think there's going to be another booster coming up? That's something else that people are buzzing about. Like, are you going to need a third shot? I'll take a hundred. Make me a dartboard. I don't care. That's a great question. I was actually about to bring that up. So the CDC released a statement saying people with severe, uh, who are severely immunocompromised should definitely get a booster. Okay. And so if you go to the, and again, I, I think I talked about last time, the CDC's website, Center for Disease Control, cdc.gov, all the information you want, everything you could possibly want. We will put a link in our show notes. Yeah, completely unfiltered, straight from the horse's mouth. I have a question. This is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. They said uh, they have a a table up on their website saying, yes, we do recommend severely immunocompromised people get a booster. And the table includes things like you would probably imagine people are on chemo, people who've had an organ transplant and they're on medication to keep from rejecting the transplanted organ, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you as a side note that again, in the pediatrician Facebook groups, doctor Facebook groups that I'm part of, people are like, um, what do you think about getting a booster? What do you think about it? Um, and mm. people are 100% about going out and getting a booster. People have, got, people have done it. There are physicians that are out there just getting it. Give me all of them. Give me all of it. <laughs> just tell me what to do. I'm here for it. <laughs> How do you know when, do they just have boosters now? Like I, that's what I, I haven't heard about that. So. so they technically don't. And that ends up okay. being, that's the conversation in those Facebook groups where it's like, how did you do that? Who do you know? There are state <laughs> vaccination databases. Do they just make up a fake name? Like now I'm another person. <laughs> Give me another dose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lady McShots a lot. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I have yet to receive my government-issued COVID vaccine. Please on this bullseye this time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it's it's a question where help, especially for the ones, uh, I mean, you know, I work in an outpatient clinic. Uh, We screen people for, we screen families and children for COVID-type symptoms when they come in for an appointment. But typically, I'm not seeing sick children mm-hmm. or and I'm not in a hospital uh, where lots of sick people are. Okay, so uh, but my colleagues that are in PICUs that do COVID, you know, are on COVID wards in adult ICUs. I mean, that is a real serious and pressing concern for those physicians. Yikes. Do, do we get another shot? Oof. Wow. Another question I had was about autoimmune diseases. So... 
or autoimmune disorders. I never know how to, (laughs) Um, but I know that I have several friends who haven't gotten vaccinated because they weren't sure if the vaccine is safe for them. And I did read, I don't even know if that's up to date now on the CDC, but the CDC had at once even said that they don't know how the vaccine Really? My mother has an autoimmune disorder and they told her to immediately get vaccinated and not even like run, don't Mm -hmm. walk. You should be first in line. So the only ones that are my friends and one of them is a nurse and that was her. She has not been vaccinated. She's not a practicing nurse now, but she has not been vaccinated because she has an autoimmune disorder. Got it. I got very mixed information on that then. But everyone else in her family is. So it's like it's just her. And so she's just like still waiting for more results to come out specifically about that. Understandable. And again, understandable, scary new, and you have an underlying medical condition. How is this Mm -hmm. going to affect? Okay. Mm -hmm. I will tell you. So I am definitely not an adult rheumatologist. But this could be even for children because like she had it from birth. So sure. Sure. We'll follow up with. Yeah. Yeah. Our other our other friend mm-hmm. on this same thing too, because he's in an ER. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that poor gentleman. <laughs> I will say that in everything I've read uh, that's put out by my professional organization, I have not seen anything that says the authorized COVID vaccinations for adolescents or young adults is contraindicated in people with autoimmune disorders. I have not seen that anywhere. Okay. I would, whenever people have very specific concerns like that, I, and you probably already said this too, I always tell them, please go talk to your subspecialist mm-hmm. um, because that person will just be laser focused on how this applies to you and your specific disease condition. So that's more of a disease by z- disease, person by person situation than a blanket deal. What do you mean? Like, what? not all autoimmune disorders are the same autoimmune disorder. So you might have one where they said, yes, go get vaccinated. And you might have another one where they say, I don't know how this is going to affect you. True. I mean, it's very nuanced. Uh, the autoimmune uh, rheumatology is, is a very complicated field, very fascinating. And that's, int- I mean, this also brings into the art of medicine. We might be going a little bit sideways, but Uh, different doctors practice a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Some doctors are a little bit more conservative. And so it's, especially something this new, I I can easily see one subspecialist saying, look, in my opinion, based on what I've read, the risk of you getting COVID far outweighs anything I've seen with the vaccine. Please go get this. Another physician might say, I'm just a little bit concerned. You're very stable on your management. Maybe at this point in time, based on your life circumstances, we can adopt more of a wait and see period. It's interesting. Uh, but I will say, based on everything I've seen coming out of pediatric, uh, there is no contraindication to any pediatric patient getting the COVID vaccine, either Moderna or Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson if you're over 18. Okay. That's interesting. It it's is so interesting. It's, it's, well, it's interesting because the... People that I have seen make statements about their autoimmune disorder and why they aren't getting vaccinated. Like when they mention, you know, all the angry progressive people online yelling at everyone to get their vaccinations. And they're like, I can't. Like that's kind of their response. And then they show some, like they do have sites that they show their, like the research saying that it's just unknown how it's going to affect you. So, but 
it's interesting because I know where you're getting your information from is very good and <laughs> and doesn't highly get, recommended. Doesn't get more reliable, <laughs> right? So yeah, I'd, I would love for you to share those articles as well because I'd like to pass them along to some yeah, of my sure, friends absolutely. who are just concerned, like they want to learn, but I don't. And yeah, I don't know where they're getting their information from because when they post things, I'm like, oh, okay, that's also from a site that's <laughs> reliable. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I maybe it, maybe it is more of an adult thing too, and we can ask Dr. Steve about that as well. Yes, we will. We but, will speak to him about grown ups and 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 their problems. Yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be great to find out. Problems. Yeah. Oh, we have so many. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> always. It always hurts. <laughs> uh, do we have any other specific kid questions or anything else that we should be particularly concerned with or particularly focused on, especially going back into school? Because now, now we're going to see, you know, really how it affects children because they weren't, they didn't have to all be in one room together before. And now yeah. they yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. So I, w- I was thinking, again, I was thinking about this a lot today because I knew okay. we a conversation today. One of the things that's super worrisome to us in pediatrics is super worrisome to us in pediatrics is that about this time last year, everybody was home. All the kids were home, right? Um, we did not have Delta variants spreading around. Okay. So we did not have this uber contagious version of COVID spreading around. Right. And the kids certainly seem to be doing okay pediatricians in general are very concerned about kids going back to school. Now they're all going to be in school next to each other. And we have the Delta variant spreading around. I would strongly urge families to get all of their adolescent kids vaccinated fully. I would strongly, despite whatever your school district is saying, have those kids wear masks. And also I would very strongly recommend every single person who can get the flu vaccine starting at age six months old and up, get that flu vaccine. Because here's the deal. Viruses do not take turns. The flu is not going to let COVID go because they're new and it's their time Mm -hmm. to shine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I've been around, like, it's your turn. It's your turn. Okay. (laughs) The idea that RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, which is another very common lower respiratory tract infection. I wanted to ask you about that. Yep. Yeah. Is going to coincide with COVID or flu is going to coincide with COVID is very worrisome and very, very possible based on what we're seeing so far. And RSV is scary with like babies, right? That's like little tinies. Yes. RSV is a lower respiratory tract infection that anybody can get, but it's really bad for kids who are less than one. Is that the like, don't kiss the babies thing? Oh, don't kiss the babies for all sorts of damn reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Please keep your mouth off that baby. All right. Stand back. <laughs> keep your mouth off that baby. <laughs> keep your mouth off that baby the the that's our t-shirt uh, the, for today the lady the guy taking tickets at the theater like all you people like don't do it don't please don't, stay away from that baby don't kiss the baby but RSV, <laughs> you and me for grown-ups rsv is a really nagging cough okay it's annoying it's a dry cough it lasts for a couple weeks we're bitching about it constantly our doctor gives us an inhaler and it goes away eventually all right for babies less than 12 months old it can be very very serious and for tiny babies it can be deadly All right. Now picture that 
with COVID. Okay, so RSV causes necrosis of the cells within the airways. It causes airway edema. And then on top of that, we've got another infection that's causing widespread release of inflammatory uh, factors within your body that can lead to irritation and damage to the blood vessels. All right, that's not going to go well. That's scary. Same thing with the flu, okay? You get flu plus COVID, okay? Now you have a severe respiratory distri- uh, disorder, uh, a re- uh, sorry, a, a respiratory disease plus this other respiratory disease that can cause widespread damage to your blood vessels. Again, we talked about this a little bit, I think, last time. You guys can cut me off if you feel like I'm being a little too scary, but I feel like this is this is something <laughs> that people don't think about, which is understandable. No, no, no. From from a doctor, we want to hear that. Yes, <laughs> that's okay. Because people accuse us of fear mongering. We're not. We're just telling you what's happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we talked about this last time. You don't want to go in the hospital. Okay. If you have to go in the hospital, you go in the hospital. Right. If you can do anything at all to avoid going in the hospital, you want to do it because the instant you are admitted to a hospital, the chances of something bad happening to you just by law of averages goes up. People are touching you. People are giving you medicine. People are putting IVs in you. You are in a place with a bunch of other sick people with the chance to be exposed to uh, what we call nosocomial infections, which are basically hospital infections. And they're bad. All right. So I don't think people think the entire thought string through. Okay. I don't want to get vaccinated and I don't think my kids should have to wear a mask. Okay. Understandable. Uh, I can draw the logic, but then what happens is you give, you know, and, and also we don't do the flu shot, which is something you hear in general pediatrics all the time. We only vaccinate against the things that will kill you. My kids had to get flu shots to go to school. They had to. They had to turn in their paperwork or they weren't allowed to go to school for the longest time when they were in like preschool and daycare. If you didn't have that flu shot, they were like, you got to go. You have to get it. Yep. My school, my kids' school too. Yep. Yep. It's, it's very, very important. Okay. If you get sick on sick, you go in the hospital, you go on these serious life-saving potentially interventions, the risk of something bad happening to you goes up and up and up. These are not benign interventions, okay? A vaccine, benign, okay? You're in the ER for four hours on high flow O2 while they get a a course of steroids prescribed for you over five days, not optimal, does not sound like badness to me. You go unvaccinated, get COVID, get the flu, you end up in the pediatric ICU, you're intubated, You've got multiple lines running with cardio, um, you know, uh, pressors, which are drugs that affect your blood pressure and your heartbeat. Okay. These are very serious interventions. You don't want them. Don't want your kid getting this stuff. Okay. You want to avoid this at all costs. And the cost is two shots and you wear a mask. Okay. Do not want your kid in the you. And I feel like most people are like, oh, of course I don't want my kid in the you. Like, it's ugly. I've been there. I've watched it happen. I've watched it go bad on accident because that can happen in medicine. You do not want your kid, you do not want your parents in the hospital if you can avoid it. And you can. You can. 
We all can do it. We all get vaccinated and wear our masks. We can avoid just ridiculous, horrific badness. And I can, I can give you stories if you want. Like I can jump into the chat and be like, Hey, have you ever seen a a central line to start pumping TPN into somebody's aorta? I have. It's a bummer. Oh man. That sounds terrible. That sounds like a big bummer. (laughs) That was a premature baby. Oh God. Yeah, we don't want any and part of that. It's, okay. it's, and it's, 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 these are the risks that happen when we put in central lines, which is what happens when you are in an ICU. Mm. Potential for serious badness. If you need to be there, you need to be there. Can it save your life? Absolutely. Do you want to avoid this at all costs? Hell yes. Hell yes. I hope I hope that message came across. I'm sorry. I no, I no, it's it. good. That's what we want to hear. I want to give you information, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm fear mongering, but it's no, it really, at this point in time, you guys, it's, it's hard not to be factual and not Mm -hmm. come across as fear mongering. It's in fact that bad. Right. Well, we've all got very lax, I feel like. And And it's, yeah, I was hopeful. I was very hopeful. Mm -hmm. I was fully vaccinated. My daughter's fully vaccinated. I joined a gym. Mm -hmm. I joined a goddamn gym. Okay. I went to the gym. The people are like, we don't require you to wear masks. It's, you know, the honor system. And I'm like, well, okay. I feel like these people look healthy. Like they probably want to be healthy. Um, I feel like it's probably fine. And I went to the gym without a mask for like a few times. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I think it was, I God, I forget when it was the middle of last month, beginning of last month, I saw a news story that said LA is again, I'm in Southern California guys. LA is requiring masks everywhere don't care about your vaccination status i was like oh shit it's happening mm-hmm. yeah that's where i'm at now too now like wearing masks going yeah. to the grocery store I put and- mine back on too for a little while i was like oh we're back in the world i'm the idiot in the gym with a mask everybody else yeah. in the gym i think i've seen two other people with a mask on in the gym mm-hmm. but it's me in the gym like working out like mm-hmm. getting full like with my KN95 on. <laughs> I'm still just rolling around outside. Yeah. I'm not even in a gym. <laughs> You're just making crap look good. I'm just being all sweaty and nasty. Yeah. I'm still very sweaty and nasty. Don't let <laughs> don't let social media curation fool you. <laughs> so I think that's all I have. Yeah, those that are all great. of our, our I questions. Feel terrified. No, no you kidding. should though. That's, <laughs> I know. I feel I feel cautious again. But I think just some trepidation going into the school year is where you should be. Mm-hmm. You should be a little scared because your kid cannot get a vaccine yet if they're under 12. If you're going into elementary school, you should have your guard up. You should be watching out for your kid. I'm not saying like, pull everyone out of school, close all the doors, lockdown. Like that's, I'm not going to go there. Right, right. They'll tell not- us when we need to. They will. And then you just have to listen. But like- like Dr. Lisa said. We want kids in school. We want them in school. Yes. And the way to get them in school is to be safe. Mm-hmm. So if you want your kid in school, get your shots. Everybody wear masks. Yes. Good. Check. 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 <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and updating us. Have, having us all come to Jesus a little bit. We need Everybody needs it. I'm sorry. That's true. It just is true. It's. It, I feel like we've all been so overwhelmed with this information for so long that we just kind of went like, it's just static now that rattles mm-hmm. around our head. And you kind of need need a moment to focus again 
and then realign yourself and go forward. Yeah. And so I think this will be very helpful for I that. So I, I just want to provide helpful information to your, your sweet, kind listeners who just those themes, they're so sweet. And they love you. They'll be very excited to hear your voice again. Thank you. Please don't make me search uh, flaming cotton up my ass on PubMed. You know, I'm here for you guys, but I'm worried the FBI agents monitoring my computer are starting to be. I'm on so many lists. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) There is no way I'm not. They're coming for me soon. (laughs) So, um, Thank you so much, Dr. Lisa. And if you guys have questions for her, she's frequently in our Facebook group. You can just put a status up that's like, I have a question. And I'm pretty much guaranteed she'll see it. Yes. So, um, yeah. And and we'll start a, a little a feed where people can get in touch with you if they want to. So join our the We Will Be Dead Facebook group if you want more of a direct line. Um, and for now, we'll say thank you. And um, we love you, but we hope we don't have to talk about COVID again. Yeah. Yeah, same, guys. Same. Hopefully it's different next time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like a positive update. Yeah, maybe like <laughs> everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> the new vaccine not only <laughs> completely blocks kids from getting COVID, but it ups their SAT scores and really improves their mental well-being. That would be yeah. great. That's the tag for this episode. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And slims your waistline. Oh, <laughs> you know what? If it, if it came in a Botox shot, everybody would get it. Yep. Anyway, thank right. you. And, um... Yeah, we'll hopefully we'll talk about something else soon. Bye. 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 All right, so we will bring in our second guest today. Um, will you introduce yourself, please, second guest? Sure, guys. I'm so happy to be back. My name is Stephen McBride. I'm an emergency medicine physician who's working in the greater Indianapolis area. Um, and, uh, I'm just glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Yes. Yes. Go Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. Is that a, like an athletics thing? Yes. Okay. I wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't either. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of us get that. All right. It's you like, guys are no. <laughs> both theater nerds. Oh All no. Right. Actor people. Uh, okay. So guys, when we had Stephen on originally, he gave us a really thorough breakdown of COVID and the COVID vaccine. And if you haven't heard that or listened to it already, you're going to want to go back and listen to our first episode on the COVID vaccine because we're not going to we're not going to go back to any of that. So if you haven't heard it, pause, go listen, come back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying not to relive that time in my life <laughs> when we were like trapped <laughs> in my house. And yeah, yeah. good times. That's okay. We're still in the same location. So I guess the first thing that we're going to want to hear from you is just what is it like now? What are you seeing now comparatively with COVID patients? Are there more? Are there less? Are there what's happening? Yeah. So, uh, and, and right, that's a great question. I was even thinking back to our first interview and what has changed in the meantime and boy, has a lot of stuff changed. So we're here for, (laughs) yeah, right. With, vaccinations being on the incline, people were starting to get vaccinated left and right. Cases were down, you know, the sun was shining. It was great. Everyone was having a good time. And then the Delta variant kind of came in and basically over the last couple of weeks, all across the country and including Indianapolis, the healthcare system is being overwhelmed. In the ER, we are seeing all of the usual stuff that we see because now everyone's going out and doing things and 
hitting themselves with nail guns and their kids oh, no. are playing around <laughs> and, and, you know, hitting their head on things. And so we're seeing all the usual stuff from people going out and, and being human, but we're also seeing a bunch of COVID-19, mm. especially with this Delta variant that is so much more transmissible than COVID 1.0. So <laughs> we're seeing a lot of people that are coming in for kind of routine emergencies like appendicitis that are stuck in the ER for days while they're waiting on a bed. Uh, they can't get a surgeon or they can't get a specialist because they are in an outside kind of rural hospital and all of the big hospitals in the downtown area are all full. Mm. One of our surgeons even took a call from Arkansas because someone in Arkansas needed an ICU bed and there were no ICU beds in the state. And so we're seeing the damage from other states kind of overflowing into everyone else. So just because you're not in Florida, Arkansas, or I forget what the other couple of uh, hotspots were, Texas. Um, this is going to affect everyone. And it is. So it's, it's a little disheartening after kind of that uplifting first you know, wave of vaccinations and, and you know, thinking that we might beat this. I think everyone is afraid that we're going to end up back in our houses again. Do you think that that is, I mean, not that you're like the governor of your state, but do you see that on the horizon for people? Is that something in your opinion would be the right choice? It's a good question, right? Because as a society, we all do things that put ourselves at risk. We we all drive cars over 55 miles an hour, even though if we've all decided to drive a car at 30 miles an hour the entire time, no one would die in a car crash, right? So there's always a certain amount of risk that as a society, we kind of accept because we also value freedom in America. Oh boy, do we. <sighs> so I, I can't imagine that we will end up with another kind of lockdown state like we did at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. Although there might be kind of smaller microcosms of, of that type of thing. But I think at this point, Earlier in the pandemic, there was a small minority of very loud people that, you know, wanted to get their hair cut and, you know, didn't want to wear a mask yeah. because they can't breathe and stuff like that. But now a larger and larger percent of the country is very, very tired. And, and I don't think we'll end up having any sort of mandates uh, again. But I could be wrong. You know, things could still get worse. And, you know, Just your opinion. We'll That's fine. Yeah. So I suppose another one, um, if I'm to glean what my what our listeners want to know, another big point is how many people that you see in the ER with COVID are vaccinated versus are not? Because if we're going to talk about the vocal minority, which are always the loudest, they are shouting about how it doesn't matter if you get vaccinated because you could get sick anyway. Yeah, so unfortunately this... <sighs> The CDC hasn't done a great job at conveying what they mean a lot of times. And so in the interest of always telling the truth and giving the data to the public, it's difficult to interpret that if you're not used to it. So okay. first, to answer your question, every single COVID-19 person I've seen in the emergency department since, I don't know, maybe May has been unvaccinated. And that's the case across the board. I would say any ER in America uh, is seeing more than a couple vaccinated COVID-19 people in the ER period. It's mostly all unvaccinated. When I come in the shift and I ask how it was before, 
they'll tell me, you know, half their patients were COVID-19 and all of them un- unvaccinated. Got it. Which is really tough, right? Because all of, all of us would tell people to get vaccinated. Every single one of my colleagues, I don't know a person who works in a real ER that wouldn't say get vaccinated, but we would recommend that and people don't take our recommendations. And then they come into the ER in droves wanting us to treat them and wanting us to give our medical advice. And we're like, we've been saying our medical advice for months now. Uh, and so, you know, what changed now that you suddenly believe us? Hmm. Desperation. Yeah, it's because they need us. So um, getting back on track with, uh, you know, how many people are vaccinated. So there's a couple of things. First, when vaccinated people get very sick, it makes good news because there's so few of them. When there's a spike in vaccinated COVID-19 cases, it makes good news. More often than not, if there is a a big cluster of vaccinated COVID-19 cases that break through, it's because most of that population is vaccinated. And so when there's an outbreak of COVID-19, of course, most of them are going to be vaccinated because most of the people are vaccinated. Mm. And so it's tough when you report that because you don't really know the denominator out of how many people did this outbreak happen. I'm specifically thinking of the one that happened in Massachusetts, um, where it was apparently something called Bear Week, which has nothing to do with the animal. Oh, (laughs) all right. Yeah, so the big headline there was there was an outbreak of 200-something cases, and 70% of them were vaccinated. Well, we don't know what percentage of that population was vaccinated. Maybe it was all but, you know, 10 people. What they also said is that none of them were hospitalized and none of them died. And so severe disease was prevented in this group. So it worked. Yeah, exactly. It did what it's supposed to do. Instead of looking at the breakthrough cases for those who are vaccinated, look at who is ending up in the hospital and who is dying. Because that's what really matters, right? Is are we still having a lot of death and are we still having a lot of people that need oxygen that are staying in the hospital for weeks that might need oxygen after that, that are kind of chronically ill after they get COVID-19? And what we're really seeing is across the board, no. Um, Greater than 98% of all hospitalized uh, people with COVID-19 are unvaccinated. And that's what we care about, right? So... The vaccine does work. There are definitely are breakthrough cases, but the vaccine's doing what it's supposed to do, which is preventing severe disease and death. So of the of the unvaccinated people that have COVID that are in the hospital, is is it a high percentage that is still dying or not dying? Oh no, there are still so and this is so that's kind of a good point you touched on. Are a high percentage of them dying? And no, but also we need to kind of take that into context. So kind of backing up a little bit, we'll hear people who are kind of what I'm calling COVID deniers say that well, there's a 99.7% you know, um, survivability rate for this. There's only a 0.3% mortality rate for COVID-19. So it's not that big of a deal and we all need to move on with our lives. Not only is that putting aside all of the people that still need to stay in the hospital for, you know, days and weeks at a time, but also a 99.7% survival rate is really, really bad when you consider how many people are going to get COVID-19 and especially the Delta variant. 
the Delta variant is so transmissible that every single person in the United States is either going to need to get vaccinated or they will get infected. And then when you imagine that every single person in the U.S. is going to get infected and 0.3% of them are going to die, while you can say that most people who get COVID are fine, you're looking at another 400,000 people dying because of how widespread this is. And that's why we're seeing, well, that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a bunch of kids in the hospital, which I, I would assume you guys talked about before. Yeah. Some of it has to do with the fact that the Delta variant is perhaps more, it selects children a little bit more, but some of it's just because it transmits so much easier. And when hundreds of thousands and millions of kids get infected, even if the vast majority of them do fine, there's going to be 0.01% that need to go in the hospital. And when they all need to be hospitalized at the same time, that's what you get right now. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. The law of big numbers that we all have a tough time with. We say, well, 99.7% of all people are going to survive. So that's pretty good. And you don't do the math to figure out, well, 99% of 340 million people is a lot of death. Mm -hmm. And so you have people that kind of will minimize the death rate of COVID-19, but then will maximize these side effects of the vaccine. And they'll say, which we can get into, they'll say, well, we've had, you know, 2000 cases of myocarditis or whatever the number is. And, you know, that's really severe, but that's 2000 out of the 300 million doses of vaccine that have been born. It's really not that much. Mm. So it's, we're dealing with numbers that are so big that it's really tough to, to, to conceptualize. For a lot of people. And it's it's tough to talk about and it's tough to kind of make a point to the public. And that's why we're seeing the confusion that we're seeing. Part of the, the interesting kind of phenomenon of this virus is we're seeing science in action uh, a lot more publicly than we have before. And part of the, the hesitancy and part of the reluctance uh, in some of the population to get this vaccine has to do with the way scientists word things, right? So a lot of people who earlier on thought that the vaccine might impact fertility would keep saying, well, no doctors are saying that this definitely doesn't affect my fertility. And because of that, there's no way I'm getting this vaccine. When no scientist ever is going to say anything close to that. And so a lot of what they say is in specific groups of people, more study is needed to know exactly how it's going to affect you. So while I haven't read exactly what the CDC put out on those with autoimmune diseases, it probably went something like, while we have this amount of information right now, if we really wanted to answer the question of how does this vaccine impact those with autoimmune diseases, we would need to do a longer study with kind of more manpower and over a longer period of time with more patients. Right now, this pandemic is still very new and we're having to make decisions looking at the risks and benefits of different medications, this vaccine, and how it affects other people. Pregnancy is a really good one that I'm going to go back to because we do have hard data that shows it is very safe in pregnancy, Great. like in pregnancy, not even like 
that it will impact your fertility at all in the future, which there's nothing to show that it would right now. But even taking it while you're pregnant is very, very safe. So in this metaphor, a, a scientist or a doctor might say, we need to study this further in pregnant patients to know exactly how a vaccine might affect someone who's pregnant. But with the short-term data that we have on this vaccine and the short-term data that we have of a certain population getting COVID-19, the risk-benefit there is heavily favored to get the vaccine. Yeah, I'm going to keep going with pregnancy, but we'll bring it back to autoimmune diseases uh, in, in a second. We're having pregnant people in the ICU twice as much as non-pregnant people. We're having pregnant people on ventilators while they're pregnant and on something called ECMO, which is a whole you know, kind of subject that we don't need to get into right now, but it's very, very bad. It's life support. And so we're seeing that the, in the short term, COVID is very, very dangerous for these people as it is in general for the population. And so what we know right now of the short-term risk of COVID, because we also don't know the long-term risk of COVID, the short-term risk of the vaccine is so, 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 so small. And so that's why the needle gets moved all the way over to get the vaccine as it does for most patient populations. And so going back to um, those with autoimmune uh, disorders, you might say, well, we don't have a definite study looking at this exact patient population, but there is nothing to suggest so far in the 100 million people that we vaccinated or you know, plus or minus 100 million, I'm not exactly sure where we're at right now. There's nothing to suggest that it would be unsafe to get the vaccine in that patient population. And if you are on immunosuppressives, you will probably do a little bit worse if you do get COVID-19. And so that's where the, the, the risk benefit, again, really goes over to getting the vaccine. And it does for just about every single patient population, just up until you get to the very, very little kids. And that's why those studies are still ongoing. And that's why it hasn't been approved for emergency use for kiddos yet because kids do very, very, very well with COVID so far. But again, it's, it's a numbers game. The only two people, two types of people, I think, that have any business not getting the vaccine are if you look at an ingredient list of the vaccine and you've had anaphylaxis to that ingredient, in which case get one of the other vaccines like J&J, or if there's some particular religious exemption, which I, I don't pretend to know every single denomination of every religion and why someone would be against that. Um, but those are the only kind of two people. Otherwise, if you're a human, you're right now you're going to get sick with COVID or you're going to need to get the vaccine. With how transmissible this is, I think a large portion of the U.S. has kind of thought that, well, if I just stay at home, I'm going to wait for all this to blow over. I'm not going to get the vaccine because I'm scared of it. I'm, and I'm not going to get COVID because I'm going to be really careful. I'm just going to wait for this all to blow over. It's not going to happen now. Uh, the Delta variant is way too transmissible. And so your choice is get the vaccine, which is very, very safe and very effective. And it's been shown that through the hundreds of millions of people that have gotten it. Or you're going to get COVID and probably you'll do pretty well. 0.3% of the time, you might not do well. And you might pass it on to other people and continue this pandemic. And you know, later on down the line, 
you might've been the one that coughed on the one person that did die in your circle. And so getting the vaccine is going to help prevent a lot of that. Good. You do see breakthrough cases and we're seeing more and more as time goes on, but those breakthrough cases are largely not getting sick. Uh, they happen so much less than unvaccinated people. So while if you did get the vaccine and you do get sick, you still can spread the disease, there's probably some decent data to show that you're less likely to pass it on and you're still less likely to catch it in general. And the odds that a vaccinated person is going to catch it and then need to stay in the hospital for it right now are astronomically low across the board. I think it's also a case of like you hear the exception, not the rule. When yes. somebody it has a vaccine and they get sick anyway, they're going to tell every person they've ever met in their life. But if you are just fine, you won't be telling a single soul. So I think the the vocal minority is kind of damaging us pretty greatly right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and that's that's kind of what we've seen in medicine for a while is people get a cold and they'll say that, well, I took these supplements and I rubbed the snake oil on, you know, my neck and I did very well. And so everyone's going to do very well. And that's what we call an anecdote. And obviously that's the lowest level of scientific evidence. And as you take some bias away and you study things and you remove even more bias and you do a randomized controlled trial, uh, that's how you can get closer to what the truth actually is. And a lot of people are kind of discovering that on the fly right now and how science works, uh, which is, it's interesting to see, but then you see a lot of people interpreting data in very misinformed ways. Well, if you read 5,000 Yelp reviews, don't pay attention to the single one star. Like that's the same thing. Yeah, but no, exactly. That's, you're exactly right. Or if you have uh, a particular location that only has two Yelp reviews and both of them are bad, that doesn't necessarily mean that the place is bad because it's a sample size, right? Those are two people that don't like those people that run that place. Yep. <laughs> 4,000 reviews and have the average be 4.5, then have three reviews and be 5.0. Mm. And so, you know, you're seeing this kind of play out uh, and people are trying to make scientific arguments based on on things that they're they're maybe not as well informed enough to to do. Yeah. The moral of that story is leave us good reviews. Yes, that's what that means. <laughs> and now that we've had some time to study it, where does a bleach land on <laughs> preventing COVID? <laughs> How much bleach can I drink and I'll be safe forever? Yeah. <laughs> no, right? So, I mean, that's that's one of those things that Really, in the pandemic, you can try a lot of different things because people are dying and, you know, you need to see what works. But you really need to do that in a very kind of regimented way uh, in, a, in a healthcare setting that is very highly monitored. So hydroxychloroquine was like the poster child for not getting the, the cart in front of the horse. And we're finding out now with the meta-analyses that have been done, which is basically like a, a group of when you study a group of papers about something and come to a final conclusion, that people who got hydroxychloroquine were probably doing a little bit worse than those who didn't. Mm, interesting. Not by much. It's not like we were killing people by giving them uh, hydroxychloroquine, but uh, their outcomes trended towards a little bit worse than those who didn't get it. And so when you see people say, well, what's the harm? Why don't we give ivermectin, which I think I brought up 
in our last uh, interview as well. Why don't we give that to just everyone because people are dying and you should just give medication to everyone. That's the reason is because you don't know if it's causing harm or good. And so you need to wait for better evidence before you, you know, put your recommendation behind something. I, as a physician need to only recommend what works and I need to also not recommend what doesn't work. That's kind of where I'm at. For sure. It still feels really early to tell, but are we getting any better of an idea what the lasting side effects are from getting COVID-19, some serious side effects? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the biggest, probably most influential one, um, I was, I was going to make a, a little bit of a morbid joke and say it's death. Um, death is probably the most important long-term effect of COVID. Uh, but for those that are fortunate enough to make it, it's this what's called long hauler or long COVID, or it'll probably have another name in a year. But it's this sense of chronic fatigue, chronic shortness of breath. I think the definition has changed a couple of times to include if people need or don't need oxygen, chronic dizziness, people just really are kind of overall run down. And there's not a great way to treat it yet. Mm. And it affects a lot of people, whether you're healthy or not. It doesn't really seem to make a difference if you had any of those risk factors for severe disease. And in fact, you can have mild disease and still have this. So I think that's the kind of the big one is this long haul syndrome or long COVID. And it's kind of like those that kind of lost their sense of smell and still haven't gotten it yet, except these people are still feel like they're going to pass out every time they move. Or that's feel awful. Like yeah, it's not great. And it's really tough when they come back to the ER because I don't have much to offer them. Oh. And are we still seeing that number with like a like a certain kind of population that's getting COVID? Say, I remember it was like obese population or older population, but are we, is it now just across the board or is there still a certain population? Because I know, so like for, for us millennials, I know there's Bless you. Right on the edge. (laughs) You're right on the edge, but you are there. (laughs) I know that's one of the thoughts that if, say, somebody with an autoimmune disorder is like, I'm going to wait because I'm not part of the population that, say, I get it, I can probably survive it. And that's like such a terrible thing. It's just a scary thing to hear. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And and so what right now what we're seeing is we're seeing COVID, the Delta variant hit a lot of younger people and a lot of people that are otherwise healthy. And we're seeing pretty sick young people too that need to stay in the hospital. And part of that is because we've vaccinated, most of the people who did poorly with COVID have been vaccinated. Like the very old, the people in nursing homes, a lot of these have already been vaccinated. And so where is COVID going to spread? But the unvaccinated, young, otherwise healthy people. So that's kind of who we're seeing now is it's starting to hit kids. It's starting to hit, you know, teens and 20s and 30s. But in terms of kind of who's going to develop these long-term effects, it'll take time to know. We just know it is happening and we, we don't entirely know how we're going to fix it or kind of exactly who is more at risk for those things. Gotcha. So uh, what, about, <laughs> what about blood types? <laughs> the uh, oh. O positive uh, blood types, so some people believe that they don't get COVID. So A, I'll say that if you think you're not going to get COVID, 
<laughs> you can step outside. <laughs> you can or leave actually, the chat. You can stay inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. If you think you're not going to get COVID, you're wrong at this point. Mm-hmm. If I think the there was some data that showed that certain blood types got it less, but that was in a point in time where we were studying every single thing about COVID. And when you do a thousand trials on something, just by chance, you're going to find a pattern where there might not actually be there. So I think that's part of what happened with the blood type issue. The others is if there was one blood type that was less likely to die or get significant disease from it, it was like 2% less likely to die. Like it was a very, very small amount and not something that while it might've been, you know, statistically, you might've seen that difference. It doesn't mean much in terms of what we do in clinical practice. And you know, it's not like we are checking everyone's blood type before we admit them to the hospital. It doesn't impact what we do at all in the emergency department or in the hospital. That's such like problematic thinking, though, too, because yeah. you might not die, but you could give it to someone who then dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so part of it is kind of uh, like that group project mentality. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're both the kid that did the whole project. Yes, so (laughs) so it feels like we're failing a group project, even though we're trying our best. But that's part of what we try to tell those people that don't think it's that big of a deal is that we are in a society and we're part of a human race, and so the things that we do, you might not think about it, but it impacts other people around you and it impacts society. And I think we're hitting kind of a, a schism where, a, you know, part of America who is so personal freedom uh, above all else is being met with some hard truths about what, what their personal freedom means, their freedom to punch someone else in the face should stop where their face begins. Um, and, you know, and that's what we're also seeing is kind of some troubling patterns in social media where we're having people yell fire in a crowded room and some people believe the misinformation that they're hearing and it's killing people. And we're getting a new viral video every other month of one doctor who didn't finish residency, who is claiming that the vaccines are making people more sick. And, you know, we have to kind of come out again you know, every couple of months to say, no, nothing that this particular person is saying makes any sort of scientific sense whatsoever, but it's already out there and it's already spread to people who don't mean to, to be harmful, but they're trying to do their best too. They're just receiving information from people who don't care about them. Don't get your information from TikTok. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's tough because they want to believe in a certain set of truths. And so when someone comes out and says exactly what they want to hear, even though it's against everything that every other doctor has said, they say, aha, that's my guy. I knew it all along. It was always, you know, hydroxychloroquine or bleach or whatever. <laughs> that bleach. Colloidal silver. Oh so God, I- we already <laughs> talked about that with the cult. Yeah. Colloidal silver too. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot of that kind of same stuff and it's, it's getting a little disheartening to have to keep coming out every couple of months to say, hey, no, no, that that one person who, you know, 
doesn't have a medical degree, and even though they keep calling themselves doctor, uh, they also don't know what they're talking about because people keep falling for kind of the same trap. Mm. That is rough. We had um, brought up kind of myocarditis and, and some other vaccine mm. side effects. Blood clots I will say we, too. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, a very, so part of this is how well we are monitoring the vaccine for any side effects so that when a couple of people got a certain type of blood clot and it was more than we expected, J&J halted their rollout of the vaccine to get more information. I remember that, yeah. And when they discovered that it was still an infinitesimally small number of women who were getting this rare but serious side effect, again, they kind of went out and said, all right, this is very, very rare. It, you're still safer to get this vaccine than to get COVID-19. And so please still get vaccinated. Um, similar uh, issue with myocarditis is we saw that as we were vaccinating young people, like in the 16 to 18 range, we were getting clusters of mostly men who were getting myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart. And so you see a lot of people who were appealing to your emotion and saying, see this vaccine, it's killing our kids' hearts. And I knew we shouldn't have done a vaccine like this. And to say nothing of the fact that every single person who got myocarditis from the vaccine recovered pretty quickly and is doing very well. Mm. And two, the incidence of myocarditis with those who get COVID is much, much, much higher than those who get the vaccine. So it is, yeah. So it's, am I going to get myocarditis from COVID, which my percentage is, let's throw out, it's 10%. Um, it's not 10%, but you know we're just using a numbers game. Or am I going to get the vaccine and have a 1% chance of getting myocarditis? And so that's why we need to, as a kind of mankind, we need to be better at thinking about you know, comparing apples to apples and, and being better at saying, well, that sounds pretty scary, but let's take a look at the numbers. And right now, even for kids, the risk of COVID outweighs the risk of the vaccine. Another thing we talked uh, with Lisa about is um, the thought that we have to get another booster. Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? The, the long and the short of it is we don't know yet. And I'll be the first to say when I don't know something. Okay. If I'm a betting man, eventually we probably will. And in fact, right now it's already been um, emergency use authorized, uh, authorized Sorry for those with um, immunocompromised states. So transplant patients um, and, and the like can get a booster shot. Right now, even though we're seeing that the effectiveness of Pfizer and Moderna at preventing breakthrough infections is starting to wane, or at least there's some data to show that, with Moderna being a little bit better than Pfizer. The fact is we're not seeing a big increase in hospitalizations or death yet with those that have gotten the vaccine. And so even though we're seeing more cases, the vaccines are still keeping people out of the hospital. And so there's not a big push yet to get a booster. You mentioned that. Yeah, there's no need. That we're not seeing like a death toll any longer. Leslie mentioned that in a previous conversation we had. She said like, why are we not seeing this? Is it because it is so much less? Are we just not talking about it? So that's part of it is um, those that are vaccinated seem to be still doing well, even if, the, even if they get a breakthrough infection, which they're less likely to. So that's part of it. Part number two is for me personally, I would rather wait until they have a uh, booster shot with the specific mRNA 
for the Delta variant spike mm-hmm. protein, which has not been developed yet. There was a small kind of pilot study uh, with around 23 patients, I think, that showed that a booster shot can work and it does produce like, I don't know, 15 or 20 times as many antibodies as they had prior to that. Uh, so a booster shot can work. Right now, the regular vaccine works good enough, but if in six months they had a booster shot that said it's got 50% the mRNA from the Delta variant and then like 25% Lambda and 25% Omega variant or something like that, then that's the one that I would probably get. And that's kind of what we do with the flu shot, right? The flu shot is multiple different types of flu, and they try to kind of cover the big ones that are going to come through the area to give you kind of a better coverage, for lack of a better word. So sign me up for, you know, (laughs) all of the boosters that eventually come out. That's what I said. I'm a dartboard. Keep going. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. It's because the the risk of anything serious is very, very low. You know, we haven't looked at the the quote, long-term effects, unquote, of these vaccines. But, you know, we haven't seen any short-term effects that are even worth, you know, not taking the vaccine. Um, And long-term effects of vaccines just don't happen if you don't see any short-term side effect. That's good to know. Yeah. We also don't have any studies looking at the long-term effects of wearing a parachute when you jump out of a plane, right? But it's (laughs) still inherent. Probably, right <laughs> probably should do it anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, every the data shows that you should do a, a parachute, but no one knows if it's going to give you a little bit of uh, like skin irritation around your shoulders when you're wearing that book bag. So it's maybe a, you just shouldn't wear parachutes. It infringes on my personal freedoms pretty hard. So I probably won't. I just don't feel free, it's, which I know. Is, makes me feel un American. Yeah. Same. Free <laughs> as an eagle. Eagles are American oh. and they don't wear parachutes. You Tell your friends. Or get vaccines. What? <gasps> <laughs> I think we've solved it. Yeah, I think we <laughs> solved the world's problems. So <laughs> good job. Um, I had one more question. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of getting the vaccines, it was not known if you should get the vaccine if you have the antibodies in your system? Like maybe you should wait. Is that still a thing? So it's a very good question. Um, And you'll hear a lot of people say, well, I trust my own immune system more than I trust these, you know, government, yeah, Antifa super soldiers. Um, But uh, there's a a study that just came out that's probably the best evidence we have so far um, in looking at the entire state of Kentucky, I believe. And they uh, basically compared the odds of you getting a breakthrough infection if you've already had COVID but not gotten the vaccine versus those who have gotten the vaccine. Mm. And if you had COVID but you did not get vaccinated, you were 2.34 times more likely to get COVID a second time. Wow. And so if you say to yourself, well, I did well with COVID the first time, I'm probably not going to die the second time, you're probably right. Very, very few people have gotten COVID twice and had it be a severe disease both times. So on average, you will probably do pretty well. But again, thinking as kind of one person in a society, in a human race, who else might you give that to? And you very likely won't be able to go back to work for two weeks because they're not going to want you there. You might be 
on the couch for two weeks because you can't get up and you'll be kind of deconditioned. Whereas if you get the vaccine, you'll be sore and a little achy for about 24 to 30 hours. So the recommendation is still to get the vaccine. You don't need to wait 90 days. You can honestly get it as soon as you're asymptomatic. Uh, I think they want you to wait 10 to 14 days or when you don't have a fever, kind of whichever comes last. But you can probably wait a month or two. If right now, if I was sick with COVID-19 right now, I'd probably wait to get the vaccine for two or three months, up to 90 days, to see what the next booster shot looks like and if they have one that's more specific to the Delta variant. Okay. So you're probably a little covered, but the recommendation is still get the shot. So if you're not doing anything and you've got a, a good window where you've got a weekend off and you can kind of rest after your shot, recommendation is still to get it. It is better than your immune system. Okay. What an odds game first. to play. That's nuts. <laughs> like, well, I'll say this. I'll say this too. It's not necessarily that it's better than your immune system, but it, the vaccine, isn't actively trying to get in your immune system's way like COVID nineteen is. The virus is actively trying to shut down your own immune response the entire time it's infecting you, and so that's why your antibodies aren't as high as when you get the vaccine. The vaccine is just a free shot. You get all the antibodies and all the immune response. And you don't have any of COVID-19 trying to get in the way. So trust your immune system and get the vaccine. That's what I say. As I said before we started recording, I think a lot of people feel confused and nervous, but don't know precisely what they want to ask. They just want to know what now, basically. So if there is anything we did not touch on that you find to be important or that you want to say to our listening audience, this would be a great time for that. So this, the mic is yours. So first off, if you are confused or disheartened or afraid or angry or grieving, then you're not alone. It's all across America and everyone feels some variation of that. But you can be assured that if you're getting your information from reliable sources, that knowledge can give you some confidence. And we can get through all of this if we work together. So figure out where you're getting your information from. Figure out how to have these conversations with your friends who don't believe that COVID-19 is a big deal or don't think the vaccines work or don't think that at a large mass gathering indoors, some people should be wearing masks. Figure out how to talk to the people that you love in a way that they won't see as an attack and they won't see as you trying to pick a fight because that's not going to change anyone's mind and it's not going to get them on your side either. So figure out a good way to connect to those of your loved ones in your inner circle who you think might be getting their information from maybe not the most trustworthy sources. And when you arm yourself with the right information, you don't need to be afraid because you know it's coming. And you can be assured that, well, even if there are some breakthrough cases with this vaccine, I know I'm pretty well protected. And I know I did the thing in this group project that's going to help us all get an A. <laughs> and so I think that's that's part of it is, you know, try not to get hung up in a lot of these you know, social media arguments where 
people moving the goalposts and arguing different points than you even brought up, and, you know, and getting angry and kind of really digging into what they believed even further. But be kind because all of those people, they're not trying to hurt people. They're trying their best. They just, they're just misinformed. And so it's not their fault. They're not being evil. They're not pro-plague, but they've looked at the evidence that was shown to them, no matter how misguided it was, and they made the best choices based on what they knew. So I would say we can take a breath. We will get through this one way or another, um, coming from an emergency room physician who is seeing all of it every single day. And whether you're vaccinated or not, I'll take care of you. Um, it's okay if you feel these things because I think there will be a better day. So that is a lovely message. I know that was beautiful. I also, I don't think I've seen anyone field angry, like anti, anti people better than you on social media. I have to give you that. I have to tell you that. Thank you. I don't, I don't see your face, but when we do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, that's something that I, was intentional about from the start of the pandemic. Every couple of weeks, I'd um, make a, a Facebook status just to tell people what real people actually believed and not those stinking viral disinformation videos. Because I felt that while my job is in the ER, it's also kind of my life now. And I can't just sit by and watch everyone scream at each other about stuff that they just don't know about. And so I try to be kind to those who you know, all of their life thought that vaccines were the devil and now this is their chance to be heard. Yeah. And I, I try to really kind of, if even if I'm not going to change their mind, which I hope that I do, but oftentimes I don't, I want people who are reading whatever I'm putting to know that, oh, no, okay, so there is someone who's thinking about this logically and has facts to back it up and came to the conclusion that I was pretty sure was out there. And so I'm really, when I, when I post stuff like this, or when I respond to particularly adversarial anti-vax people, it's, it's more talking to anyone else on the internet who might be looking because I don't want to sit back and just let angry people lead us all to death. And so if I can give some information and shed some light on this, it's how I sleep at night. Well, you do that beautifully. Mm-hmm. You really do. And um, to all of your listeners too, if, like if they have any questions, please keep bringing them, it's very easy for me to answer them. And it helps kind of, it helps me keep a sense of satisfaction that there are people that I'm, I'm still helping. We will uh, be sure to tag you if anyone has direct questions so that you like see them in our Facebook group. Cause I know it's a lot of memes and fun, but like <laughs> you don't need to pay attention. But I'm more than happy to answer anything that they've got. Um, uh, and you know, answer it to the best of my ability with the limited knowledge that we have. Right. So well, we appreciate that. Yes. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Anytime. I um as much as we love talking to you, we hope we don't have to do this again. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Thank you yeah. for having me. Bye. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, those were our interviews. Yeah, thank you for listening, fiends. Yeah. I hope you got something out of it. They were pretty sobering. hmm I feel like I definitely learned some new things. A lot of things were just reaffirming things I already knew. But also there's a sense of urgency 
I felt through talking to medical professionals that doesn't exist out there in the world right now. Right. I agree with that. I know I have gotten a bit lax, whether we I feel have. whether I feel comfortable about it or not. Yeah. But I mean, I generally don't feel comfortable about it, but I have let myself get lax. I've let my kids or anybody else, you know, employees get lax. We but all just really wanted to feel like it was over. Yeah. You know? And it can be, I mean, it's hard. You feel, sometimes you feel embarrassed when you have a mask on. Like I went to breakfast this morning and I like had my mask on and then I thought like, like we were waiting for a table and I was like, well, maybe I'll take it off. I was the only one with it. You know, you feel yeah. like almost like peer pressure again. Yeah. You're like, no, I just need, there's a pandemic happening. Let me just wear my mask because yeah. then maybe somebody next to me is going to feel the same way that I did and will be like, I'll put my mask on too. Lead by example. Yeah. I also think there's this, I don't know if I've, we've talked about this before, but because the rules are, in a lot of places, if you are unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. When I put on my mask, I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm not vaccinated. 100%. You yeah. know? Hundy P. I'm not a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not hyper conservative. I'm not anti-vax. I just am like extra careful. Yeah. And there's, but there is there is that stigma there. You're like, oh, I'm among the population that has to wear a mask, so I must be. I must not have gotten my shots. Right. So that's not true, though, guys. You should. We need to be wearing them again. Yeah. Yeah, that was... That, that, was, was, that was that. That was... I know it was <laughs> kind of heavy, and this was very informative, and we'll be back to crime next week for sure, but we felt that since we have a platform, mm-hmm. it was kind of our responsibility to do what we could to put grounded information out into the world. Yes. Because there's so much information out there and it's, sure. hard to, it's hard to understand. I'm, I really felt like with Dr. Steve, I had a lot of I had a lot more questions that I didn't even realize. They were just like popping yeah. in my head. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I guess I didn't even really But it was nice realize. to hear those answers and to yes. have either what you suspected confirmed or more information brought to your attention. Mm-hmm. It's just stuff that you're not gonna get from reading Social media stuff and watching TikToks of frustrated people. And that's just, you're you're being completely consumed with all of this information daily. We all are now, whether it be the 24-hour news cycle or social media or, or I mean, you just get it everywhere now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, trust us. Mm-hmm. We, we brought you facts, we promise. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's toast. Okay. First to um, Stephen and Lisa for coming on our show and talking so candidly with us and providing such wonderful information for our listeners. So cheers. And we have patrons. We do. Yay. We have two new patrons. Two new patrons. <laughs> the first one we just have, a, I think, a nickname for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mangovitz. Yes, girl. I'm loving your name. Yes, Mangovitz. (laughs) Mangovitz. We love it. It's catchy. So cheers to you, Mangovitz. And next we have Allie Orton. Cheers, Allie. Cheers. Thank you so much for supporting us, you guys. And um, and cheers to Britney Spears for getting her dad off her conservatorship. Yes. What up? Another (laughs) update. Britney's dad is no longer her conservator. Maybe we'll have to do a Britney update episode in the future. Oh, can we? Yes, we should. Just got like warm and fuzzy. I got got butterflies. Were you like, oh, my Britney? Let's give, we're going to give that more time to develop because I think there is so much that's going to happen yes. 
in the next couple months. But cheers to Brittany. And one more to all of the all of our fiends and and everybody out there working diligently in the medical field right now, all of our friends in healthcare, everybody who is trying so hard to keep us safe, to keep us healthy, and to help those who aren't either one of those things. We appreciate everything you do, and uh, we want to toast you too. So cheers. Cheers. And, and, and cheers to everyone that's vaccinated. Yeah, cheers to everybody who got their shots and did their part. You won't find Jamie in the well. Oh, Bringing it back. <laughs> Love a callback. Yeah. And because we got our COVID vaccine as soon as we could, we, we won't, won't be, be dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Keep your mouth off that baby. All right? <laughs> Keep your mouth off that baby. <laughs> <laughs>